0: Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Ruby Rogues Podcast. This week on our panel, we have John Epperson. Hello, everybody. Luke Stutters. Hello. I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv. And this week, we're talking to Julian. You told me how to say your name, and I'm going to blow it anyway. <laughs> <It's> r- <laughs> Ruby. Yeah, r- yeah, exactly. Oh, I didn't blow it. Okay, good. No. Uh, do you- <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we have you on. I think initially, yeah, we reached out about an article about turbo native, which is turbo links or turbo on native apps. And I don't know how applicable that really is unless we're diving into like Ruby Motion. But we were chatting. It turns out that you're on the stimulus reflex team with a few folks that we all know, Nate Hopkins and Andrew Mason, who both used to be panelists on this show. So yeah, I thought it'd be interesting and we all kind of agreed, yeah, let's talk about that. I remember working my tail off to become a senior developer. I read every book I could get my hands on. I went to any conference I could and watched the videos about the things that I thought I needed to learn. And eventually, I got that senior developer job. And then I realized that the rest of my career looked just like where I was now. I mean, Where was the rush I got from learning? What was I supposed to do to keep growing? And then I found it. I got the chance to mentor some developers. I started a podcast and helped many more developers. I did screencasts and helped even more developers. I kind of became a dev hero. And now I want to help you become one too. And if you're looking forward to something more than doing the same thing at a different job three years from now, then join the Dev Heroes Accelerator. I'll walk you through the process of building and growing a following and finding people that you can uniquely help as you build the next stage of your career. You can learn more at devheroesaccelerator.com. So, I went and I looked at the page, and I saw that it kind of it, it's kind of inspired by Elixir Live View, which is also something that I don't know how many Deep Ruby developers are aware of. So, do you want to kind of give us the, I guess, the five minute elevator pitch on like what this is, like what we're talking about here, and how it applies yeah. to a Rails app?
1: Stimulus Reflex is the Rails uh, incarnation, if you like, of server rendered html delivered over web sockets and well it's been morphed on the client with morph which is exactly the uh, javascript library that also powers um stimulus that's also that's also powering live view uh-huh. uh, so it's it, the, the the html is sent over the web and it's being applied on the client uh, through a mobile morph, morph operation so it's like Parsing the DOM and looking at diff and p- applying what's not in sync, so that's how it works. Basically, what's maybe interesting is that the creator of, of Stimulus Reflex, Nate Hopkins, who was a panelist here, the underlying library is called Cable Ready, and for me, Cable Ready is actually the Swiss Army knife of uh, HTML over the wire, if you if you like. And Cable Ready actually predates uh, even Live View, so it's c- kind of live you was an inspiration to take cable already and make it even more awesome if you like so you gotta imagine the Cable Ready has a ton of of uh, dom operations you can do from the server right? you can uh, set a data data attribute you can uh, set a css class you mm-hmm. can just uh, push states etc etc and one operation from cable ready is the morph operation which powers the whole stimulus reflex thing so stimulus reflex is like the 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 surgeon scalpel and and cable ready is the swiss army knife in in my opinion so what does it do in the context well actually it's it's really pretty simple it you can as a mental model take that it sort of runs the controller action you're in at the very moment but with an altered state like you can set session uh, variables in state you can alter instance variables and it will render the html of the controller action uh, you're on at the moment apply the diff on the client so for for example take a filter action you you do a faceted search you take a checkbox that says only active users or what, whatever and it runs the controller action, but with a different scope on the filter, renders the HTML, pipes it over the WebSocket, and it gets applied on the on the client. That's the whole gist of the simplest operation.
0: That makes sense. I actually have been working on an app where we did something like that, except I think it just used Turbo to like wholesale replace all the HTML at once. I don't think it was mm-hmm. diffing and updating. I yeah. could be wrong about that.
1: Yeah, that's that's how turbolinks worked all all the way so mm-hmm. turbolinks was all about and turbo drive these days is all about exchanging the body of of the page without touching all the CSS reloading reparsing JavaScript etc so makes sense yeah
0: so I guess what I'm looking at here and just to clarify a few things so essentially what it does is if I take some action within stimulus, Stimulus reflex will actually then communicate. Is it over a WebSocket?
1: It does. This? It is over a WebSocket. Yes, and actually, st- stimulus. Yeah, well, it lives in a stimulus controller that is sort of anonymous. Uh-huh. You you don't, you don't get to see it actually. You can declare it in a markup as a data reflex attribute, and with a syntax very similar to stimulus, you can say click minus greater. Then the reflex name, for example, filter, uh, pound sign, and then uh, whatever reflex action you want to take. That's a call. Right. And that then invokes the the reflex. It alters whatever state, server state you you have, renders the HTML as the controller action would do it, pipes over Mm -hmm. the HTML over the WebSocket, and on the client applies the div. That's a key difference, maybe to to Live View, because Live View only does the minimal uh, pipes over the minimal DOM changes as uh, JSON and we didn't go that route, or Nate Hopkins for that matter, didn't go that route.
0: Right. So it sends over the full HTML payload and then the JavaScript. Yeah, you on can the front you can s- does the diff.
1: Right. You you can scope it. Of course, you can say take only this ID, uh-huh. this this element. And, and send it over, uh, of course, that's possible. And you can mark areas of the DOM as permanent, not to be touched. That's, for example, important when doing... We had problems with action text. So you basically wrap mm-hmm. the tricks editor in a data reflex permanent, so it doesn't touch it. Interesting.
0: So what are the use cases that people are using this for? Because I can imagine it speeds up your interactivity or your page, right? Is that the idea?
1: Yeah, yeah the idea is that, well, everything you, you would probably use a sophisticated JavaScript for, you can probably do 90% of that with a reflex exactly for faceted search, or I do use it for composable UI, for example, composing a nested form, mm-hmm. plus comment, plus post, plus comment, et cetera, et cetera. Building up the form as you go. I use it for drop zone uploads, et cetera, et cetera. So, oh interesting. Once you of course you 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 can and that's maybe an interesting difference to both uh, liveview and, and turbo is that you can actually call it from javascript. So you can in you can make your own small stimulus controller. You can register stimulus reflex in this controller and can say this.stimulate and it will trigger the reflex action on the server. Mm. So you can do it de- declaratively in your markup or imperatively in a stimulus controller which is pretty powerful actually
2: it's funny because it was actually a tutorial that just came through i think it was ruby weekly one week uh, it was just <laughs> like get drop zone working in you know with stimulus and webpacker in like 30 minutes and this thing was like literally 30 minutes long it worked awesomely everything was super smooth and i really just liked how I just loved how the code looked at the end and I was like, I'm doing this for forever. And that's what got got me hooked and started on Stimulus. I had to like, and I think that I even had to like fix something like because I had something special going on on, on that particular project or whatever. And mm-hmm. it wasn't that bad to like fix it. I just like dropped into the drop zone controller, like tweaked some of the JavaScript or whatever that was going on and boom, like it was working. And I was like, holy crap, this is the real thing. This like suddenly, this is exactly what I always wanted, right? Like, okay, somebody drags and drops an image. Well, I need to react to that thing. And you know what? That's almost the exact same thing as when I click the little button that says, hey, I want to select a file to upload, just kind of sort of enters the pipeline a little bit differently. And and all of a sudden, like all your code is exactly that way. And that's, I don't know how to express like just how elegant and exactly as you need it to be like stimulus kind of is if that makes sense it just fits the natural rails workflow it's very different than the kind of like javascript heavy like i gotta know everything about my app on the front end but i still have to build it all on the back end like sort of way that's kind of dominating the market right now anyway the whole point is i'll like sit here and go on for forever if i'm not careful but yeah like it's funny that you mention it because that drop zone thing is exactly what, mm-hmm. like, sort of demoed for me exactly what sort of stimulus is, and that sort of started my love relationship with it.
0: Yeah, it's funny. You're the way you're talking about that reminds me of the way that I talked about the, the Whoops video from DHH when he made the blog in thirty minutes, right? It was like,
2: yeah, oh, I get it, <laughs> right? I'm gonna see if I can't find that or whatever. So I we think, can like link it. Was it
3: thirty minutes? I think it was shorter than
2: that.
1: So it was four, fifteen minutes.
2: It might have been, yeah, something like that. Whatever, it totally. Logging history minutes, yeah. Oh yeah, different videos,
3: different videos. So, yeah. so this is this is for people who hate writing JavaScript, right? This is why we're doing this to avoid writing JavaScript. I happen to know Julian. I happen to know that you 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 do write quite a lot of JavaScript. You do some progressive web apps, yes.
1: Yes. Well, I, that's one one thing that's maybe. It's a wrong framing. I know that this is the general framing also brought about by, by Hotwire to a bit. And that's we're doing this to avoid JavaScript. And I know that many Ruby folks want to avoid JavaScript. And uh, I say it's, you can do so such brilliant things with, with JavaScript. The whole point is, as just was just mentioned, is to fully embrace the majestic monolith. Because I don't want, or maybe this, this was also, is my history with, with Stimulus Reflex. I came across this project in late 2019 and then the pandemic hit and suddenly I was in the, in the situation to have to do more with less. And right. that's when I started thinking about how can I squeeze more out of my time? And Stimulus Reflex is exactly that. It's, it's conceptually the most compressed framework I know. Because the mindset is actually so simple. It's take your state, alter it, render, ship,
3: and morph. And that's it. So it's about keeping keeping the state away from the page, away from the client. Right.
0: Yeah, it's interesting to me too, because for me, the draw, Yeah, it isn't so much that I'm not writing JavaScript. The draw for me is that the JavaScript that I had to write early in my career was callback hell, right? It was it was jQuery and it's like callback to callback to, callback to callback to callback to callback to callback to callback to eventually get a thing done, right? And it's like, I've got to notify every single part of my page in order to get it to update properly, right? And then we we went from that to, oh, I've got this genius idea. I'm going to use promises. Promises. So then it's not callback hell. It's then, 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 then catch an error, then, then, catch an error, then. Right. And, oh man. And that wasn't a whole lot better. It was just a little prettier, right? I'm
3: so glad you said that, Chuck, because I I was doing the promises. I was like, surely this uh is like a callback, but it's it's got a different word.
0: Yeah. And it's, it's got a little different structure. Right. And so it's got a little bit of a difference performance, a performance run in. But yeah, I mean, the end of the day, yeah, it was, so that was a problem. And then it was like, okay, now today, now, if you're in the in crowd, It's observables. Get observables in there, right? And hopefully you can remember all of the different operators that exist in RxJS so that you can use them properly. Or you can Mm -hmm. pull in stimulus and you can tell it, when I do this, do what I want.
2: So I think that's the big point right there, right? Like every single one of these things that you're talking about is an interface. It's an attempt to make JavaScript, Uh which is an event-based language, right? When this happens, then I want this thing to happen. Act like something else, right? And all of the JavaScript native solutions so far like have been, to be frank, kind of crappy. They yeah. they really don't make you leave that you never leave the event-based system, right, when you're doing it in JavaScript. And stimulus, I think, takes advantage of the fact, right, that we're running a Rails app, right? That we know that we have a server on the back end, that there's state that's outside of the JavaScript. And it it just makes the inter- the interface like a lot better. It's suddenly you you deal with events like events, but only when you want to deal with events. For the rest of the time, you're dealing with exactly like you would normally think of it. Hey, I want you to do this this list of instructions in order, right? Or, you know, hey, you know what? I got some stuff from my Rails server, just shove it over here, right? Like it's it's either, you know, in order to instructions, imperative type stuff, or I'm, you know, dealing with my event stuff kind of like separately. I don't know. It just it fits. It's elegant and it works. And it's not the frustrating thing about like promises and observables and all the event stuff for me and for JavaScript is it promised a lot and it's never delivered, and stimulus just straight up delivered. Anyway, I know we're talking about stimulus and not Redux here, but or reflex here, but <laughs> oh yeah,
0: let's yeah. let's go hit Redux too.
2: Yeah, Sorry. Yeah, saying, yeah, yeah. Wrong was, word, wrong word.
1: <laughs> I was actually just mentioning, have you ever worked with Redux? And you know. Uh, what a uh, hell client-side state uh, mangling is!
0: Oh man, yeah, reducers and That's, I That's can't exactly even keep all point. the terms straight. It's yeah, like,
2: yeah, how much have these systems promised, right? And and how many times have you actually walked away from a product project where you've put that stuff in your project and you actually felt like your code was better? And I don't know, for me, there's never been a single time. That's been the frustrating thing whereas stimulus like just straight up has promised a lot of stuff and it's just like it gave it to me and more and and I've never I've never been it's never done me wrong and like that doesn't happen a lot for me and technology. Most of the time something promises something it doesn't deliver. so yeah, I would so? say that I have pulled some of this stuff in. I've had it work for me fine.
0: I've been pretty happy with it. It was better than not having anything. But it wasn't elegant and it really wasn't that clean. And no matter how I refactored it, it was still kind of, I had to cross my eyes and squint at it to completely understand all of what was going on. So,
1: Yeah, the, the, the whole thing about SPAs and single page applications for that matter is that it's, it's all about rendering on the client and stimulus does no rendering. And that's the exact boundary that is drawn here. Because it took us like 15 years to come full circle and and see that uh, we have a place to render HTML. And it's the server and not the client, right? Mm-hmm. And then think... all of a sudden, all all the the async code that's brittle goes away because the server renders the HTML and ships it like it's Do you been...
3: think uh, DHH's Hey app is gonna get a lot more people looking at this?
1: Well, certainly his marketing strategy has done its thing here because he was teasing for the new magic for like one year and everyone was crazy what that would would look like and still is to this date because one third of its strata hasn't been released yet.
3: I know that you have uh, something in common with DHH with uh, dealing with app store rejections. Me? Yes. I think you were releasing the Android app or uh, last year? No, no, no.
1: No, you must be mistaking me. Sorry. No problem. <laughs> if I had time to write native apps here.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I want to dive a little bit more into that story, right? Where you were basically saying, "Hey, 2019, I had to le- learn to do more with less." I found stimulus Re- reflex and kind of joined in. Like, what's the background there? Like, were you looking for something? How did How did this kind of come about?
1: Was nice knew-
0: to you? Because I know where you live.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, Nate is exceptionally nice. It's actually. I was filing an issue on GitHub for Stimulus Reflex because it didn't work with this or that Webpacker version back then. I can't exactly remember. And I was really greeted so nicely by Nate and Andrew and a fellow who is called LeastBad. Some of you will know him. And we started conversing in, in that GitHub issue, I think, and started to think about how can we start this conversation off and then we Nate settled for discord and suddenly we had 100 users on the discord today we have 1200 users on the discord so it kind of exploded under our our hands and some time yeah exactly it must have been April uh, last year he called me on the core team on the board of directors if you will and I was totally taken aback but i said of course why not i i love this project i want to help in in making it guiding it into the future the bright future hopefully yeah it's all nice people that's the absolutely
0: so what what parts have you contributed to then
1: Hmm. (laughs) it's interesting because last week i i did my first professional consulting audit of a stimulus reflex app so i actually get cold called, called by folks who want me to look at their usage of stimulus reflex it's also something that a year ago i wouldn't have dreamt of but then i said i'm i'm the stimulus reflex janitor i'm the one who takes messy code and <laughs> breaks it apart into smaller modules and i'm not the one to to build all the cool new uh features and interfaces i'm and i've always been a a Pattern matcher, if you like. I see objects arising in front of me, and I extract them to to classes, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So that's basically my role on the team.
2: So one of the things that I I managed to kind of find in your GitHub earlier today was, I mean, it's it's thing, whatever. Anyway, so you you have this better stimulus or whatever, where you like have like yes. best practices for stimulus. That's um, also
1: something I started a year ago
2: yeah Um, yeah i mean how how did you kind of like pick some of that stuff like how did that come to be i hadn't even noticed that before i'd sort of like you know i mean Mm -hmm. to be honest i've been using stimulus for a few years now so i've come up with my own best practices and i never really saw something like this i'm just kind of curious like how did it how did it come to be a community make that did you just feel Mm -hmm. like you know what i'm tired of Janitoring people's code bases and seeing these problems. (laughs) Here's what's wrong. Here's what you should do instead. Well, it's an uh,
1: interesting. Well, it it also came out of this community because one day uh, we chatted about good or bad stimulus code and how to discern that. And people. That's also an interesting uh, trait of this community. People come and ask us about almost anything related to rails and they ask, "Is this a good stimulus controller, etc., etc.?" And then. we started thinking that we should have a knowledge base or something of that kind where we start to document all that. And I said, okay, well, hey, I'll buy this domain. And will you help me like reviewing the best practices uh, where you find and assembling them, et cetera, et cetera. So actually I haven't posted really to it uh, for like three, four months now because other things were more pressing, but it gets significant traffic actually. So there apparently is some some uh, necessity for that, and with the growing popularity of of stimulus, I think it will become even more.
2: Yeah, I know that I'm we, be back even here.
1: more important. Yeah,
2: I already found like a couple couple things on here that I'm like, oh, I need to like add this to this one app where I've had this pain point, and I just like either ignored it or worked around it in a different way.
1: Uh, do you know stimulus use for what's up by chance? Stim- stimulus use is a Collection of mixins by a French guy called Adrian Poli, and he—I have also contributed to that a, a bit. It's uh don't know the URL if you Google stimulus stimulus yeah. dash use, you'll find it. I found
2: it. I think Adrian Mason linked this to me a
1: while back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's one, and that's sort of the the hidden standard library of stimulus, if you like. And also, Adrian gave me some useful hints. As to what, in, what to include, et cetera, et cetera. So, uh, it, this is all uh, largely uncharted territory, right? We, we're all learning in real time here. We don't have the React, the Facebook React core team to tell us how to do it right. We need to find <laughs> it own, And that's fine. I, I, I've also been a learner and I've for 10 years or so now been a teacher also.
2: So, I was so bitter back when React, the React core team told me that my use case was basically not important. They were like, "Well, don't do this because if you do this, then you're just bad." And I was like, "I'm sorry. Like, I didn't create the constraints on this app. Like, (laughs) uh, I think I was. Oh no, I was like back. I can like. I don't even remember what the feature was anymore. I just remember that I started being not liking React after that day.
0: (laughs) Yeah, boy, and that's that's been an evolution too. That I think is interesting juxtaposition against where stimulus has ended up. Right where people were using stuff like Angular or Knockout or, you know, some other stuff early on. Ember. Um, Ember. I think Backbone was a little bit... Not the same, Angular. Less, yeah, it was less intrusive on your stuff. But yeah, then, you know, Angular continued to kind of gain popularity until they blew it with Angular 2. And then, and they still have a healthy community. Don't get me wrong, but a lot of people at that point started looking for something else kind of wound up on React, a bunch of people wound up on Vue, but they all kind of just take over your front front end. And if I need like some, you know, fancy schmancy interface on the front end where I have to go fight those kinds of fights, then yeah, I may reach for a React or an Angular or something. But what I'm finding is, is that most of the work that I'm doing, I can get away with just dropping in the stimulus stuff where I need it and saying, okay, interact in this way. And by the way, if you're using view components in Rails, we did an episode on that a while back. Mm-hmm. And then it starts to get really, really nice because now you just tell Stimulus to care about, you tie it to your view component and then you tell it to care about the events off your view component. And it it's just super handy way of going about putting your stuff together. And then it's, okay, well, I only care about clicks here and I care about these kinds of interactions there. And yeah, anyway, it's really, really nice.
2: So mm-hmm. you touched on like one of the big pain points that that I feel like is one of the struggles that we have like as rails developers who then also sometimes end up in this world where we're like either asked to work on a spa or like we're trying to decide if it's the right choice, right? One of one of the things that like just seems to happen is like once you pick react or vue or angular or or any of those things like you you start to write the spa. And at first you're like, okay, I get it. You know what? We can share with the back end, right? Like, and you like create this relationship. <laughs> but but as time goes on and you try to fix all these things on the front, what ends up happening is you start having to pull more and more stuff from your back end that you already wrote, and you have to mm-hmm. put it on the front end. You don't have any choice in the matter. There's nothing that you can do about it because that's how they're designed. And they just they're like, Well, no, I can't work unless you collect all this information in me. And so you end up rewriting your entire app in JavaScript, whether you like mm-hmm. it or not. And Stimulus provides you the option of not being forced down that road. That's To me, that's the biggest like argument for Stimulus is that it doesn't lie to you and tell you that it can live in harmony with your back end and then trick you into basically picking it and throwing away your back end. It actually works with your back end and it always it's actually,
1: will. It's actually the other around you will... Have to do massive work to convince stimulus to act in such a
2: way. Yes, you're right. You can't force stimulus to become your front end unless you like
0: really work at it. Oh no! Now I have to create an overstimulated framework for the front end. Overstimulus. <laughs> yeah, where stimulus takes over your front end. Anyway, it's. I agree with you there. The other thing is, is that we see, and I've I've always found this interesting, right? is that now all of these solutions have uh, server-side rendering options, right? That You have to pull into your app so that you can get the performance and SEO benefits that you would get from just having it server-side rendered by your backend technology like Rails. And so they, they and those are just more hoops to jump through. <laughs> and so there, there I, was I wind room. up looking at it and going, wow, this is insane. Isn't
1: it crazy? There was, there was one tweet I read when they announced like a React server side render it, mm. said, oh, look, they're reinventing PHP. Yeah. And and that's exactly what they did in in a way. I'm going to take heed for this, but it's exactly what they did.
3: Well, that's where they started, wasn't it? Yeah. Facebook started on PHP. So it, comes, it's, it is
2: full circle.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. it is.
2: Yeah, I'm not I'm not trying to beat up on JavaScript here, but I am trying to like say that like when you pick one of these spa, right, when if you pick one of these single page app technologies to be your front end, you are making a lot of architectural decisions that you don't know about yet because they don't talk to you about that. They don't tell you that you're basically giving up all of these things that you had. They don't talk about the trade-offs that you're making, right? And all of a sudden you end up down the road with basically you're missing features that you critically need. And in order to get them, you have to give up your old, you have to give up Rails. So mm-hmm. there's nothing, and that's fine if that's the choice you really want to make, right? If you're like, you know what, I love Node. I want to go Node and I want to do a Node React app. Cool, that's great. You know what, that, that's fine. It'll work great for you. But when you, when you say, hey, I want a React Rails app and like you're sort of being promised that that's fine, you know, that's not actually true. Like you're giving up a lot more than you think you are. And when it comes down the line, like, react isn't going to work nice with your rails app in the end like there's all these hacks to try and make it work you know or whatever but you know the react team is not supporting that they're supporting you shifting all of your stuff to node and so you're kind of being pushed down that road to make those architectural choices that you may or may not want to make anyway i guess my grief isn't necessarily that this technology is bad it's that I really like to be cognizant of the architectural choices that I'm making. And I really, really hate it when I feel like I'm being deceived.
1: This is the actual role of a, an engineer or a full stack engineer at that. I mean, I do a lot of, or a lot of, but I do some, some gamification stuff, stuff that I don't write myself, but I would be, or anyone would be a fool if he or she didn't use react for that matter or, or something something different to to do all these little 2d 3d animations on the, on the client you have to to go all all spa but that's the 10% you don't get out of the server side rendered approach and that's fully okay yeah but what you're talking about you have about to draw all these boundaries
0: yeah you're choosing the technology based on the problem you have instead of choosing your problem what? based on the technology you want to use <laughs>
3: I don't. Ah, Here's the solution. Do you have a problem with I think of myself as an artist. I think engineering is very much overrated. (laughs) So do I. Pushed pushed down the road's node. That's I like that, John. Pushed down the node road. Bold. Eh, Whatever. I mean, in the end, I just don't like.
2: I mean, it could just be that I'm just like stubborn or something. I just don't like somebody to make decisions for me that I'm then responsible for.
0: Hey, folks! If you love this podcast and would like to support the show, or if you wish you could listen without the sponsorship messages, then you're in luck. We're setting up new premium podcast feeds where you can get all of the episodes released after Christmas 2020 without the ads. Signing up will help us pay for editing and production, and you can go sign up at devchat.tv/slash
3: premium. I think I've got good. a confession. I've got a confession to make to you, Julian, and it's about it's about right. Vue and single page apps and client side rendering. I've got a kind of stealth project where I'm replacing what's usually done by upwards of 12 to 15 pages of configuration in this industry with a single page, like literally a single page. So it's an incredibly dense UI lump. And I know you've developed lots of these things before. And I decided to do it in Vue. I did it last year. I couldn't find anything.
0: And I wrote the whole thing.
3: Yeah, right, right. I wrote the whole thing in Vue. It was my first Vue thing it's my first real kind of responsive thing i'd ever written and it worked and it, it's it is fast. it's responsive it eliminates 15 pages it's successful but but i have exactly the problem that we were talking about earlier where when it comes to for example pricing logic and calculating basket costs i have exactly the same code on the client in javascript as i do in ruby on the server now this is not a Rails app, so I'm not using Rails as a framework, and it doesn't even use Active Record. I'm kind of using something else because this is a kind of wild experimental thing. Are there people who aren't using Rails, using Stimulus that you know of? Are there people with, who are kind of in in the fringes, in the alternative mm-hmm. Ruby world, using this stuff? And you know, is it even usable if you don't want to have Rails in it? Oh, for sure.
1: I mean, I use it on static pages a lot, for example. I also contribute a bit to Jared White's Bridgetown Static Site Generator and wrote a bunch of automations and plugins for that. And it works totally nice with that. It's exceptionally good at wrapping third-party libraries like Swiper, JS, or Dropzone. We talked about that. Lightbox, what have you. It's exceptionally really good at at wrapping stuff like that, and gonna need that on any static page you write, for example, sooner or later. Have, have I also you, use it, you... it. I also use it in in Phoenix in the Phoenix project actually. Mm-hmm. I think I that
0: is a...
3: blasphemy. Is that <laughs> <laughs> instead of live view? <laughs> is that um? A... Because one of the really interesting things that's come out for me is the the action cable integration. You know, where not only if you have got the kind of SBA stuff, but you've got the kind of real-time updating. But it's, it's not hot reloading. What do you call it? Updates That's full over, duplex. Web right, socket, right. Web socket. <laughs> where you, you kind of, you're sending the state two ways over a website. Mm-hmm, full duplex, yeah. That obviously has the dependency on that action cable. It looked to me like quite a, quite a hard dependency on action cable. Mm-hmm. So you, I, you, would, you would need that in order to yeah, use it. Yeah, yeah.
1: Stimulus reflex is a, has a hard dependency effect on action cable, as does uh, turbo streams. Actually, what I can tell you is i been also <laughs> about a year ago I started a proof of concept of a good old long polling adapter for stimulus reflex using the message bus gem by Sam saffron I believe this course uses it, and well, it's been stale since then. We didn't go that, down that road further, but. For the next major release of Stimulus Reflex, this is actually uh, very much in in the quiver. We intend to make more modular adapters possible. So
3: this so is for like example, a kind of rack-jot-hijack thing?
1: Oh, I don't know. Um, kind of the, the, the idea is, is that you can use long-polling and a- Ajax, but also to make it possible to, for example, use pusher or as some, some commercial thing uh, as, a, as a transport for stimulating and and reflecting
2: that would be cool that would make that would suddenly open up stimulus reflexes. it's a
1: massive effort of course but yeah. we would like to pursue that in this direction mm-hmm.
0: one thing that i'm kind of curious about since luke brought up uh, action cable and i'm going to admit mostly ignorance regarding action cable I've, I've turned it on in my app and i haven't really done much else with it so when you send the data down the pipe, you send the request down and it sends the HTML back up, does Action Cable just automatically connect you with that controller in action to get that HTML back? Or is there something you have to do on the back end in order to make this all work?
1: Well, there are some several things you have to do on the back end to make it work the way you want it to work. But the I- initial setup is quite smooth. The tricky stuff is when it comes to authenticating your connection, because you have this action cable connection.rb, which is basically basically the, the endpoint, if you like. And that's where you identify as your connection to, to a user, to someone. So it builds up this uh, persistent connection. And then you have the channel.rb files. And in the channels, also a shout out to Lisbeth, who made this picture of the channels actually being sort of distributed routing table. So in in your channel.rb, you will need to define who gets what based on what, based on what identifier. So you can make a public identifier. You can say, okay, this is the the notifications channel, and uh, push everything down that channel. Everyone will get it. But you can also say, okay, I only want to broadcast to a resource, like to user or to a comment that gets updates. Um, that's built into Action Cable. It's nothing that pertains to, to cable ready. So the work you have to do is sort of, and I agree that documentation is a bit sparse on the on the action cable front. So we did a lot of effort to bring some of that back into the cable ready docs, which are also exceptionally good, I think. Well, I'm biased here, of course, but I think they're really good to also learn the basics of action cable, basically, because I learned them here. <laughs> I learned them there. So you, you kind of had, it's, it's, it's all a different mindset and it's all uh, very different security constraints too. If you, if an attacker gets to hook you up to a different web socket, then it's game over. So the one thing you really want to do on the, on the server side is enforce a strict content security policy, which is also a bit neglected in, in the original action, action cable docs. You want the to deny every connection that does not come from your origin server, is the the counterpart, of course, if you like. Yeah, so, of first thing that,
3: I do is wildcard my CSRF on every project because so I just can't make it work properly.
1: <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's a completely different mindset. And the, the, yeah, what could put, what could possibly go wrong? This
3: is how Sony guys, um, guys.
2: Yeah, <laughs> everyone gets hacked.
1: But it's also it's you have to admit that. WebSockets, well, they have been around there for a while, but compared to HTTP, it's still relatively new. And the books just uh, largely haven't been written yet. And even security consultants, uh, I know, sort of digging their way through what uh, new holes creep up in regarding to to WebSockets. So, of course, that's a thing here. But that said, you can make it work. And we like to pride ourselves to take most of that work away from you so if you set it up you get an authenticated stimulus reflex channel that's authenticated to to your user or identified to your user and it's all all done for you if you want to sort of go the the more open route into into cable ready uh, you have to do more on your
0: own. right so then at the end of the day your stimulus controller will send a request down the I'm just trying to make sure I understand the workflow here. It mm-hmm. sends a request down the pipe or down the socket. And then yeah. on the other end, you've got your channel.rb that figures out this request needs to be handled by this controller, which is going to render this HTML that I'm going to send back up the chain. Or is it not a controller that handles that?
1: That's Yeah, yeah that, that's that's pretty much it. What we do in the background is create a mock request, which is, a, uh, I think, a rack thing, mm-hmm. a rack class. We create a mock request that then renders the the that control raise control action, and sort of renders the HTML for you, and uh, that also has led us a bit into the troubles with middlewares, which yeah was a bug bug report and we fixed it. So uh, if you want to use custom middlewares in your in your stack, uh, sort of you have to do a bit configuration stimulus requests, but it's all very well documented.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. And as we learned a couple of weeks ago when we talked about microservices, each controller is its own rack app. So yeah, that's essentially what you're hijacking there in order to get that. Yeah, it is. So, what I'm assuming, since we're talking through this, that yeah, this works on other technologies. You mentioned live view, and you've mentioned like static pages where I'm assuming you set up a web socket to somewhere, right? And then just, you know, do some of this work without actually having like a fully baked back end. So, you, do have you just t- have to talk
1: to Jared White about that. He is some. That's done some, some cool thing with this bridgetown generator.
2: Are we gotcha. confusing are we confusing stimulus and stimulus and reflex? Stimulus here? reflex
1: a bit here right now, yeah. Because yeah, you, so, before yeah. you asked me where can I use stimulus outside of outside of Rails. So I was talking about the JavaScript only
2: part yeah, so stimulus yeah, is but, agnostic. You can use stimulus anywhere. Yeah. Okay. Stimulus okay. reflex depends upon action, action cable. cable. Okay. Stimulus right. reflex is a Rails thing. So but it stimulus, doesn't work
0: with anything else, even if it has WebSockets? Not yet.
2: But at, I think
1: at the very moment it's it's hard dependency on action cable.
2: And I think he was saying that you were it's
1: a, it's a red thing. I didn't realize that.
2: You were talking Good about to Julian that you're working on something that will make it possible for stimulus reflex to work with possibly other, you know, WebSocket connections. Well, you were talking long pulling, but
1: yeah let me take this from from another direction. Early on, we had some Django folks in our channel who recreated the cable Radiant stimulus reflex server side on the on their side and it's called Sock puppet, I believe. So it, it is very much possible. It's just uh, this is a community effort yeah, right We're not big Corp who who has uh, teams behind that who can make that happen. We encourage everyone to try and make it happen. and yeah. with Django, it worked. Sweet. And it's actually the same as Hotwire, right? Hotwire, the turbo, is sort of a client-side uh, spec specification. And now it's gaining implementations from Django and PHP and what have you. So we're not making any assumptions here. But right now we don't have the just the manpower to transfer it to every possible backend. Right. So the SOC but the sock looking, we're, is we're essentially
0: really, something that mimics the way the action cable works.
1: It mimics the way that Stimulus Reflex works on the server side.
0: Oh, okay. <laughs> so, if I'm installing Stimulus Reflex, am I installing a gem then, or an npm package, or both? Both.
3: Can I ask you about your Discord? Yes. What What's it? I've never developed software on Discord. What's it like, like running an open source project on Discord? And you know, is is it is it good or bad?
1: I can see before this experience neither have i so i can't really say i don't have any suitable comparison before this what i can say is that we in the spirit of Nate Hopkins have developed a very inclusive way of dealing with newcomers and also this is the feedback we get that everyone is very welcome and we even try to help people with hotwire even though we're not experts at that etc etc and it's Challenging at times, but then you all of a sudden you get lots of people showing up and helping each other out. So sometimes it needs a little bit of moderation. And I I must say for me as a European, it's a bit hard because the moment the the Americans start talking about, start chatting in there, I'm already off on my way to to bed. And in the morning, I wake up to to a wall of text. So when I'm (laughs) online, it's usually not that much conversation going on except for with other other european maniacs like me but for us it worked out really exceptionally well and much more than it i know some some slack communities and i would say slack is much more for for really for teams for for developing in teams and discord is really a bit better at, at uh, running a community
3: i found slacks for projects i mean minio was the last one i spent uh, some serious time getting to. You know, I I found the Slack not so good as as the uh, as Discord, and the big advantage for me is is it's less formal. It's much easier to drop into a Discord than it is to drop into a, a Slack or especially GitHub. Is mm-hmm. uh, you know it's either you're doing a pull request, which you won't be doing when you generally when you're starting to kind of play with something or you'll you'll be uh, opening an issue, which, again, can be difficult, especially if you're brand new to a project. So I was really interested that you were using Discord for actually pretty much running the project, correct?
1: Right, yeah. It's also maybe at this point, the proponents in our community have been so diligent in setting this up. So we have a Stimulus Reflex Harness uh, GitHub repository that we direct people to when they report bugs we say hey here's that repository you can clone and see if you can reproduce your bug here and then uh, tell us where to look at etc etc so that we don't leave them alone with creating mvcs we sort of try to help them from the very beginning when they start to have problems
2: yeah i don't know andrew mason invited me to the community like a year ago and while (laughs) i haven't done a lot of stimulus (laughs) reflex like one of the things that i thought was super cool was just the fact that like the people that are in there use stimulus and a bunch of people ask questions about stimulus and, and seem to be getting help. And I like friendly communities. And yeah, I don't know. There's there's a very different vibe on Discord than there is on Slack. I don't know if that's Discord or if that's just the people that have chosen to use Discord. I have no freaking clue. It's just what it is. But yeah, I've I've very much liked Discord communities um for that. As a as a partaker. And then as somebody like running a channel, I I find it you I don't know I like Discord a lot better for running a channel. Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. All right. Well, we're kind of getting toward the end of our time. Is there anything else mm-hmm. that we should cover on this? Well, I guess I do have one more question now that I'm wrapping it up. So you mentioned that there's some work going on to do like long polling and make it work with other backends. Uh, are there other features coming for Stimulus re- Reflex?
1: Well, I can plug some things for for Cable already. Actually, that's maybe interesting. We have a we haven't talked that much about Cable Ready, which is a pity because I think it's really the workhouse behind it. In, in Cable Ready, you can you can just chain operations you want to to run against the DOM one after another. You can say lock this to the console, then play that sound, then <laughs> add this CSS class there, then remove this element, etc., and at the end broadcast it along. And so, like promises. Um, Sorry, couldn't. Uh, help it. You, yeah, <laughs> pre- pretty much like promises, but. For example, what we did is make a operations serializer, which sounds totally boring, but it's actually very interesting because it enables you to serialize operations, cable ready operations, the the ones I just talked about, and push it to a background job, which you usually can't do if Mm -hmm. you're dealing with procs because you can see as procs, et cetera, et people started to on the on the client side you, you there's one method for cable ready which is cable ready.perform and it performs these operations so what you can do is actually make a cable ready serialize a bunch of cable ready operations in a json normal json endpoint query it from a stimulus controller and just get call cable ready perform with all the implications that gets what there this is also one of the building blocks we're, uh, we've built to go into the world of, of multiple transports, et cetera, et cetera. Let me just pull up. I it's don't like, know everything by heart.
2: It's like what we used well. to do way back in the day when we would call something and return gs.erb and run these scripts on the front. End. Yeah, this, <laughs> this, is, maybe, oh, this is what... Man. Maybe not an architecturally like sound choice. Uh, this is what TurboStream forces you
1: to do in, in, yeah. a, in a sense. What's coming is a sort of a helper element from uh, of Cable Ready that allows you to inline uh, define a stream. So you say stream from in your HTML. You can say stream from a current user, and it will make you a channel, a Cable Ready channel. It, it will make you the front and the element to consume the channel, and then you can just. Blast from from the back end to the front end, your your operations without having to do any manual setup on the on the front end. So this is uh, actually pretty interesting. We also have, or what I'm working on is uh, maybe um, just one thing I want to plug is the Futurism Jam, which I have created in September, I think, which is it's very simple, actually lazy loading thing. So based on on uh, intersection observer, the moment your thing gets in, your div comes into interview, it, it will replace the placeholder you define with the actual content of it. And it's I designed it so it's very, very, it is actually completely congruent with the render partial call. So you can basically take any partial instead of render partial, you say futureized partial with a do block in which you define how the placeholder should look like. Should it be skeleton loader, should it be spinner, whatever, et cetera, et cetera. And this has led me to speed up many controls by five hundred percent, just by lazy loading stuff.
2: So, Um, am I getting it right that this is like basically a a more like agnostic way to, for example, handle infinite scrolling or, you know, lazy loading like parts of my table? Uh, Yes. Okay, Um,
1: that's exactly what I use it for, and I'm saying this because I think the important thing to takeaway from this discussion is that cable ready and will still make so much more possible this is just one thing i decided to do because i needed it i'll just posted that into the chat if my I...
2: yeah you should pick that yeah sure Seems super um, cool actually i didn't realize I, I really didn't realize what it was when i saw it in your in your list of gems or whatever but so my mind it's, is just spinning.
1: It's super performant, actually, and I think we we're likely also gonna see many more cable ready, cable ready plugins like that.
0: Very cool. Well, I put links into the chat for a lot of this stuff as far as mm-hmm. cable ready and uh, mm-hmm. stimulus reflex. I see that you added the futurism gem, but yeah, if you're if you're trying to figure out what to do on your front end, I mean, this is a very very powerful and viable way to go so i'm going to encourage people to go check it out and i'm going to push this into pics before we do that though julian if people want to reach out to you they want to connect or whatever most people are on like github and twitter but yeah where do people find you
1: yeah well on github on twitter on github i'm just julian rubish on twitter i'm julian underscore rubish, and in, of course, the Stimulus Reflex Discord, we have a vanity URL. I think now it's discord.gg slash stimulus dash reflex. You can find it there anytime and reach out to me. That's the, that are, Those are the main channels, I believe. Awesome. Hey,
0: folks, I don't know if you've noticed, but I've been working a lot on figuring out how to help people become the most valuable developers on their teams or becoming the top 5% of developers in the field. If you're looking to level up, figure out how to contribute more, get the career you want, get the career that you want that will support the lifestyle you want, then you should check out the Most Valuable Dev Summit. I've invited some of my friends across the community, people that you've heard of, people that have worked on systems that you use on a daily basis, people who have invented new ways of doing things over the years in programming, and I've asked them one question, and that question is how do you become a top 5% developer? How do you become one in 20 of the best developers out there. And so we're going to go ahead and have that conversation with them in interviews on the most valuable dev summit. And you can find that at summit.mostvaluable.dev. All right, well, let's go ahead and do some picks. Picks. Luke, are you ready for picks?
3: I'm always ready for picks. All (laughs) right, picks away. I'm going to, I'm going to pick sounds of deference and conformity off the, uh, the iTunes, uh, uh, app store. this yeah. is a uh, thought-provoking record my favorite track is grids grids is the is the what we call the banger oh, in the uk oh, <laughs> uh, so this is uh, julian's uh, uh, yeah how would you just go um, industrial
1: well i actually studied computer music and electroacoustic composition and you could call this in industrial in a very <laughs> in a very direct sense yes I it's that, it's kind of record, a, like a
3: kind of sedated version of Metal Machine Music. Um, yeah, it's 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 a really interesting record. Yeah, so uh, it's all it,
1: it's all it's all about the grids. Is actually I made grids out of schematics. Grids are sonified schematics.
3: Well, like Gerber files. Yeah, like like electric circuits, PCB files. Yeah, PCB. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I've been doing NFC this week in ruby and there is also a gem oh let me link to the uh the i've been doing nfc in ruby uh, which is the you know the nfc tags and Mm -hmm. i've been using the ruby dash nfc library so not the nfc gem which is there in patterson from um quite a few years ago but the ruby dash nfc library and i have managed to get somewhere with that, So I had a system that used RFID tags, which were essentially a wireless barcode. But if you use NFC, which is the same frequency and protocol as the wireless payment, you know, like in your kind of Visa and MasterCard, you can actually do interesting things. So Ruby, Ruby, NFC, gem. And yeah, that's my pick. All right, John, what are your picks?
2: All right. So I have... I have a couple stimulus related ones too. So one, I'm definitely gonna pick that tutorial that I, well, I, I put it in chat earlier, I'll put it in pinks, picks or whatever. But the tutorial that totally convinced me that stimulus was the real deal. So you can go check that out if you have some time. It's uh it's like stimulus action storage, webpacker and drop zone, right? Just like connecting up those things works super smoothly. If you're working on like a Rails five plus app, it'll it'll work great out pretty much out of the box or whatever. If obviously with caveat there being you have to have pick, you know, decided to go Webpacker route. So that's one. Number two, I was actually working on uh, that Spree app that I've been working on for a little while now. It's funny because I didn't realize you we were doing this this week. And I actually, I'm just going to directly pick Stimulus because I legitimately was trying to fix some problems that I was having with the JavaScript on the front end. And I was just like screw it i'm just going to stimulusify this stuff and i did and it was great so yeah it just it 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 was so anyway so i'll pick that guy and then lastly i uh so this isn't a scotch or whatever but i recently my buddy picked me up a hot damn or whatever so i i drink hot damn mixed in dr pepper it's it's pretty reasonably good so hot damn is a cinnamon schnapps case you're not sure but there's like the 100 proof version which is actually pretty good so anyway I'm gonna go ahead and pick that this week too it was it was pretty awesome he gave me that for my birthday and I've enjoyed it
0: nice I'm gonna throw out a few picks of my own here the first one so this weekend I got away with a bunch of guys that I just kind of I don't know how to describe them because they're kind of the like my best friends but not in the sense of hey we're all gonna go uh, watch football together whatever These are guys that I talk to every week that, you know, tell me when I'm being stupid and tell me when I'm doing well and kind of give me a head check on a lot of the decisions I make. And anyway, so we all got together in Nashville and had this get together. And the morning before it started, we all got together and, or some of us got together and played golf at the golf course where the event was. And oh, that was so fun. So uh, I'm going to shout out and pick golf. If, if I'm ever going to a conference and you know about it and you want to get a tea time, I am game. I'm not good, but I'm totally down for going. The, the other uh, shout out that I have is we were talking a bunch about relationships at the, at the getaway. And it was kind of a getaway and kind of a conference at the same time, right? Because our group is part of a, a larger set of groups, right? And so there were guys there from all over the place about 150 of us that were part of this event. And they they talked a bunch about relationships and I realized that uh, I haven't done as well as I ought to in that particular area of maintaining the relationships that I have. And so it really made me think, and then it made me think about, okay, how do I not drop the ball here? And so I went out looking for a CRM and I've done this several times in my career. And by the way, a good one, as far as I can tell, doesn't exist. So, I was just checking out options and I've been working on moving some of the technologies that we use for devchat.tv over to new ones. So for example, one of them is we're probably going to move off of Zoom sometime soon and on to uh, riverside.fm, which is another pick. And they do the, if you've used Zencaster or Squadcast, it works like those, it works through the browser, records locally and then uploads as you go. Mm-hmm. And the nice thing is, is that I think Squadcast is limited to four, Zencaster only works some of the time in my experience and I've asked them about it and you know, whatever. And it, they've been around the longest too, so I don't get it. But Riverside will let you do up to eight people. It'll record the video locally as well. And so this is giving us a lot of options. It'll also sync the recordings over to Dropbox which is also nice. But so I'm going to pick them and then I'm also going to pick monday.com. And monday.com is what we've been looking at moving off of Trello and onto monday.com. And the reason there is that monday.com offers a whole bunch of automations. And yeah, I know Trello has some of that too. But between the integrations, Zapier, and the automations that you get out of monday.com, it's really starting to look like that's a, a terrific option. And so back to discussing CRMs, it turns out that uh, monday.com is flexible enough to where you can just drop a CRM in there and have different boards that come together to make it work. So you have like a contacts list, you have your sales. So the way I set it up is I have the contacts list, which has all the contacts in it. And then I have a board for just general follow-up, right? So people who I have a personal connection with that I want to follow up on. I'm also going to put all of the hosts in, right? Because I want to be checking in with them and making sure that everything's going well not just with the podcast but just in general I always feel like I have some responsibility to make sure that people are doing okay and then but past guests uh sponsorships I have a sponsorship pipeline view in there I've got the uh, dev influencers accelerator sales pipeline in there and anyway it's it's really kind of coming together nicely and I can customize it the way I want and so, uh, Monday.com is kind of this task manager, is kind of what they build themselves as, but they've got the CRM functionality and a whole bunch of other stuff in there. And so, uh, I'm pretty excited about that. And then I've got this, uh, I found a guy who will actually help uh, set it up for me. And he's done this for a couple of my friends. I'm actually pretty impressed because he's like 17, but <laughs> he totally just got in there. We talked through the process and he's like, all right, I'll have it done to you for you this week. And I was just like, dang. So anyway, I'm pretty excited about that too. And yeah, so those are my picks. I also did launch the Dev Influencers podcast. So uh, we'll be running that. And then the last thing is, is that I am looking for people to help me out with kind of just being an extra set of eyes and orchestration for some of the different areas that we have shows in, Uh, you know, to help us pick topics and, you know, just kind of shepherd some of the process through. And so if you're interested in doing that, I'm not in a position to pay somebody to do that right now, but if you're interested in that, let me know because I have some other things coming down the pipe and I think eventually it'll turn into a, a paid slash commission type deal where you know whatever whatever portion of this you're managing, you know you'll get a cut of whatever comes in. So anyway, those are my picks. yeah, stay tuned for some of that stuff because it's coming pretty soon. but yeah we're, we're gonna kind of go beyond podcasting and we're going to go beyond what we're currently doing with podcasting. So hang tight. It's all coming. Uh, one last thing, we are putting up premium feeds if you don't want the the ads for the sponsors. And uh, you can find that at devchat.tv slash premium. So anyway, that's right. pretty much it. I'll stop there. Julian, do you have some picks?
1: I do have one pick, actually. It's a book I'm reading at the moment. It's an, well, an actual book. It's called What Tech Calls Thinking. It's by a Stanford professor of uh, comparative liter- literature. And it's about the ideologic and intellectual underpinnings of Silicon Valley, like how the uh, ideology of and thinking ideas from uh, Marshall McLuhan, Ayn Rand, Aldous Huxley and others made their way into Californian counterculture and then into Silicon Valley founder founders, et cetera. And is now coming against us all, in a way. It's very interesting read, I think, and everyone in tech should read it. Very cool. I'll post a Goodreads link.
0: Awesome. All right. Anything else that we should shout out real quick before we go to,
1: before we wrap up? Yeah, well, quick shout out to the, to the core team, which is uh, Nate, Least bad it's Marco, Andrew Mason, of course, from this point.
0: All right. Yep. No one likes several of those guys. All right, so well, let's go ahead and wrap up. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll pause here and uh, until next time, Max out, everybody. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit dot to learn more.